Good morning, and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am March Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from the beginning through the present. And we want to start a, a special group of shows starting this week, particularly now that it's spring in the Philadelphia area and things are beginning to open up again and it's warm outside and I see more and more people moving about outside. This is a perfect time of year to enjoy the warmth, but also get out and see so many of the historical sites and venues and and so much of the historic things that we have, not only inside Philadelphia, but out here in the western suburbs. So we're going to do a series of shows on several of the historical sites, particularly dealing with the colonial time period, on the shows coming up. So hopefully they will... Uh, interest you to get out and visit the sites and and see the sites and read about them and understand how much history that we have in this area. When I deal with my teachers in the summer through the Freedoms Foundation, so many of them come from the Midwest and they come from the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest. And so many of them say to me, how fortunate we are in the Philadelphia area to have so much of the Revolutionary War and the colonial time period to look at and study and how grateful they are when they come. And it's just amazing. They look at what we take for granted every day. They look at these buildings. They look at these sites. They look at these these homes and they're astounded by what we have here. And unfortunately, so often the case, we in the Philadelphia area, we overlook them and we don't know that a lot of them are here. So I'd like to do is I'm going to do a series of shows on historical sites in the Philadelphia area, particularly dealing with the colonial time period and the American Revolution as we go forward. So in future shows, we're going to have people on from Fort Mifflin and the Massey House in Broomball and the Brandywine Battlefield and Paoli and, and Valley Forge and so many other areas that we could in this area go out and look at and, and enjoy. Obviously, we know that the colonial time period and what I mean, the, the Revolutionary War time period, Philadelphia played a very pivotal role in the revolution. And not only with the First and Second Continental Congress and the Declaration of Independence, and then later on the uh, the Constitution. But so much happened in this area that oftentimes most people think, or a lot of people think, that the revolution occurred in Boston and a little bit in Pennsylvania and maybe Virginia, and it was over at Yorktown. And that is that that is so so off the mark that that so much happened uh, during the revolution and so many places in our area that probably most of us drive right past and, and don't even know that's there. Let me give you an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to uh, some people in our neighborhood and I was telling them and talk to, talking to them about the Paoli battlefield. And they all said, we've never heard of the Paoli battlefield. We didn't even know there was any battles in this area. And again, people from this area, there is so much that we have the opportunity and privilege to see. 
and to go and visit and support and the rich richness we have in the in the Philadelphia area uh, of the American Revolution. And let me give you some examples of what we can go and look at and then talk about a few of these, particularly as we time goes on. In Germantown, uh, the Chew House, Clifton, major part of the Battle of Germantown uh, is there. And you can go and visit Clifton. It's the Chew House. And that is where a major part of the Battle of Germantown took place, where General Knox talked General Washington and not go, not going around it and isolated, but to try to take it down. And that's unfortunately what what stalled or one of the situations that stalled the Battle of Germantown. So Clifton, you can go visit Clifton uh, if you've flown into Philadelphia and you've probably flown in over Fort Mifflin. Fort Mifflin is a wonderful place to go and visit. It's open most of the year round. Uh, it played a pivotal part in why the British troops did not come up the Delaware River and take Philadelphia from the from the Phil, from the Delaware River. And on the other side was Fort Mercer. And then also it, on the Jersey side there is uh, Red Bank. And so if you've never been across the bridge, it's another place that we can go and visit. And see this this battle that happened over in Red Bank and what happened there. Out in Montgomery County, we have Hope Lodge that that is open throughout the year, and they have several different uh, events that go on at Hope Lodge. In Schwanksville, we have the Pennypacker Mills that's open again most of the year, and uh, a former governor of Pennsylvania. And on that property, Washington had his troops in bivouac before and after the Battle of Germantown, out in the Collegeville area, out in Trap, the, the St. Augustine uh, Lutheran Church, where Reverend Melchior uh, Muhlenberg was the minister there. And the the not the original church, but the rebuilt original church is there. Uh, further out is Hopewell Furnace, and what, what you can you can see a live living history there. Um, again in Trap, we have the Henry Muhlenberg House, the, the Speaker of the House of Pennsylvania. Pottstown, we have Pottsgrove. Uh, back in Trap, we have the DeWeese Tavern. Down in Skipback, we have the Peter Wentz Farm that Washington used as his headquarters during the Battle of Germantown. And uh, Peter Wentz had just gotten windows or recently had gotten windows for his house. And he was very concerned that if Washington's troops camped there and he used the house as a headquarters, that the windows might break. And Washington assured him that they would not do anything to the windows. Well, when Washington found out about the, the major victory at Saratoga, he had uh, the cannons fire and the concussion from the cannons broke most of the windows in, at the Peter Wentz house. Washington paid for them. Uh, so the, another wonderful sight to go and see. And it's a living, it's a living farm. And throughout the year, they change the scenery of the farm with the seasons. And please, it's right down there off of 73 and Skipack. For you that are down in Delaware County, I've mentioned the Thomas Massey house in 1696. Uh, in Newtown Square, you have the Square Tavern, where uh, Benjamin West, the uh, one of the famous painters of the colonial time period, was born. A little off further, obviously, we have Waynesboro, the home of Anthony Wayne, uh, the historical Sugar Town in Malvern. And then if you really want to go out a little farther, there's Pensbury Manor, which was the estate for several years of William Penn out in Bucks County. So that is not 
every all the places, but there's just a few of them. And I had noticed I haven't said anything about the sites in Philadelphia that probably most of us know about. So this time of year, again, as it seems like things are beginning to open up, and obviously it's getting warmer, and there are so many different sites in our area that that you can go and visit. So let's look at a few of them briefly. And any of them that sparks your interest, you can go and visit and, and and look at them and study them and learn about them. Because truly our history, particularly the, the Revolutionary War time period, is just an amazing history that is so rich and so plentiful and in our area. And our area was so important to the revolution. So we want to look at first is... The Battle of Brandywine, which is right down off uh, just south of US 1 and 202. And just last week or two weeks ago now, uh, 72 more acres of the battlefield has been preserved and will be kept as part of the battlefield. Uh, a lot of people don't know much about it because usually they drive down 202 and they keep going south and they drive right past the opening for what where the visitor center is. The Battle of Brandywine which was the beginning battle of the Philadelphia campaign, which was September of 1777, all the way, and I included Old Monmouth County, all the way into uh, late June of 1778. The Battle of Brandywine was the largest battle in the American Revolution. And it's just an enormous battle. Unfortunately, that a lot of the battlefield has not been able to be preserved or the farmers took it back. But part of the battlefield is still there. And there's so many things on the battlefield that you can actually go and visit. Uh, and the visitor center it has a, an interesting film and it can go and, it can, and you can watch it and then begin to drive around in the south tour to see different parts of the Battle of Brandywine. General Howe decided he was going to take Philadelphia. He was commanded to take Philadelphia. And so rather than come down through New Jersey, General Howe decided to put his troops on his brother's ships. Admir Admiral Richard Howe go down past New Jersey, go down Maryland, come up to Chesapeake, disembark at the which we today we call Elkton, Maryland, and he began to, to travel north. And as he went through Wilmington, and there was a, a skirmish, Cooch's Bridge, that is down in that area, when he comes up into Wilmington, Washington brings the Continental Army down to the Brandywine River, today we call it the Brandywine Creek, and he sets up his lines on the eastern side of the Brandywine Creek, waiting for a waiting for Howe to come upon him somewhere along what today we call, you know, 202 uh, up in that area. Uh, and General Howe had probably close to 19, 20,000 troops. We don't know the, the exact number, but he had a, a, a large group of British soldiers and Hessian soldiers. And so what General Howe did is he sent the Hessians right into the middle of Washington's line at Brandywine. Washington, unfortunately, took the bait. Washington thought that was going, part of or the main troops coming at him. General Howe took his troops and General Cornwallis's troops, and they went north, and they flanked Washington across several of the fords up up on the Brandywine Creek and came down. And, and so there was a major part of the battle that Washington was was going to be flanked, and that's up at the um, the uh, the meeting house up on up on the 
the northern part of the uh, the Quaker Meeting House up on that side of the battle. And it, it, it just you can see it there. You can also see where the Marquis de Lafayette, who was still only almost 20 years old at the time, where he is wounded at the battle. And you can really understand and see how this battle unfolded. Um, and you really actually have to start all the way out at Longwood Gardens, where there was different skirmishes as Howe was bringing his troops to the east. Washington does not win the Battle of Brandywine. He has to withdraw his troops. They withdraw down in the Chester. And so the largest battle of the American Revolution, Washington had somewhere in the vicinity of 14,000 troops there. Unfortunately, Washington is outgeneraled at the Battle of Brandywine, and Howe has better intelligence than Washington. Washington finally gets intelligence that he's getting flanked up on his right flank, up on the, 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 uh, the Birmingham Road, and he, he turns his army, and he begins to move down. And so this is a all-day battle, a very large battle, and Washington withdraws from the battlefield. But what one of the reasons Brandywine is so important that it stops Howe's army for about a week, and Washington is able to regroup and come up with different strategy. And so rather than Howe being able to march right into Philadelphia, which he did not, he began to circle up through uh, which we now know as the Westchester area from the Dilworth Town End up and through that area, which when we come up, you know, 202, that, you know, we come into Westchester, how Washington now wants to try to stop how again. And for, for many of you that are familiar with Immaculata College, this is what we call the Battle of the Clouds. And today you'll only see a blue sign of where that possibly would have happened. Uh, again, most people don't know. When you talk about the Battle of the Clouds, they have no idea what you're talking about. Well, this is a battle that got rained out. You know, Washington is on one side of the Great Valley. General Howe's on the other side. And uh, it, we assume that it was a great nor'easter a rainstorm that came. So much mud, so much rain that the powder got wet. The roads were muddy. They both withdrew from the field. But that is near um, Immaculata College. Oftentimes I say to people, was there a battle of Valley Forge? And almost everybody says, no, no, no battle of Valley Forge. Well, there actually was a battle of Valley Forge, but it wasn't during the winter campment. It was long before it. There was a major supply. Washington had a major supply house at Valley Forge at the Deweese, Deweese house, which we call the Bakehouse. And on the 18th of September, General Howe found out, heard that there was a great many supplies there. So he sent some troops to take, try to get the supplies. And for you that are fans of uh, the musical Hamilton, Colonel Lighthorse Harry Lee and Alexander Hamilton were sent there with not many men to to try to get the supplies out of there before the British got there. How they were going to do that, there was probably 4,000 barrels of of tomahawks and uh, musket balls and flour and horseshoes, how they were going to get those out of there with that few men, we don't don't understand understand that. But that that's what happened. And as the British came in, as Cornwallis came in there because it had rained and the, the Schuylkill River was was very swollen. Lighthorse Harry Lee and Alexander Hamilton tried to escape, and Hamilton almost drowned. He fell off uh, his horse in the Schuylkill River, and he almost drowned, but he obviously he survived. So there was a battle of Valley Forge, but not during 
the winter encampment. So next we see for you from our area, the Battle of Paoli, which some of you might know is the Paoli Massacre, uh, September 20 and 21. And for people in the Philadelphia area that don't know anything about the Battle of Paoli, that battlefield has been preserved. And throughout the year, the uh, Paoli Battlefield Board has uh, walking tours. They have a paranormal tour. They have a Heritage Day in September. They have wreaths across America in, in December. And so the, the Board of Paoli Battlefield has several, many different uh, situate or things going on during the year that you can go and visit, or you can just simply go to the battlefield yourself and walk around it. There are several maps on the field explaining the battle. It was the nord- ninth largest battle of the revolution, and it was the first battle cry for the revolution and throughout American history. We, you know, of Anthony Wayne, who was from. Waynesboro, which is right off of 252, General Anthony Wayne's troops were there uh, uh, camped, and he was now behind the British lines. And General Howe sent General Gray at night to have a sneak attack on Wayne's troops at Paoli. And many, many over 100 men were killed there, and um, a lot of them were bayoneted to death. And so Several different accounts of the Paoli, the Paoli Massacre, which we call the Paoli Massacre, Paoli Battle, it has ungodly, horrible things that happen there with the bayonet charge. But the battle, Paoli Battlefield is right there, and it's it's not in Paoli. It's in Malvern. So it, it's close to the um, Mal, the Malvern Prep School that, that you can see. So please go and visit the battlefield there and read about it. Several local authors, uh, Thomas McGuire, and Michael Harris have written about the Battle of Paoli, and, and you can get a better understanding, particularly from area when you you know some of the roads and what happened there. We're going to have somebody on talk about the Battle of Paoli. Then later on, the Battle of Germantown, which I already mentioned, which was the, uh, right around the Chew House, Cliveden, uh, Benjamin Chu, who was the um, a lawyer and uh, on the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, the Battle of Germantown takes place. Washington was winning that battle, unfortunately, with what happened at the Chu House. And then running out of gunpowder, Washington has to withdraw from Germantown. But you can go down and visit Clifton uh, at the Chu House and you can, you can see what happened there and see how General Howe has now is going to go into Philadelphia. He has already taken Philadelphia in September. He sent Cornwallis in to take Philadelphia on September 26. General Howe is now going to take on Washington, or Washington, I should say, is going to take on General Howe at Germantown before Howe goes into Philadelphia for the winter. And uh, you can see so much of, uh, of understanding that battle. Just look at the maps and see what happened there. One last battle before the winter is the Battle of White Marsh, and Howe is trying to goad Washington into one more battle. Obviously, this happened out in, in White Marsh, and you can you can see what happened there. Washington does not take the bait of General Howe at White Marsh. So after the skirmishes or the Battle of White Marsh, White Marsh, Howe then takes the, his the main of his army into Philadelphia for the winter, and this is when Washington begins his his retreat so to speak, all the way back out the Valley Forge. And uh, so White Marsh was December 5 through 8 of 77. Washington gets the Valley Forge on December 19th of 1777. 
and he is there till June 19th, 1778. And so many of the things, so many people use Valley Forge for so many different opportunities to walk, to ride a horse, to jog, to just um, walk their dog, to go around and see. And it's interesting, as many times I've been out to Valley Forge, for so many people said to me over the years, well, it was just a winter encampment. And nothing happened there. And that is so opposite. This is the crucible of the revolution. This is where, in my mind, the revolution was won. And Valley Forge is so important for many, many different reasons. So even though it was a winter encampment, Washington goes into Valley Forge with 11,000 men. Somewhere around 2,000 die throughout the winter. And the British thought the revolution was over. And by May, Washington's army has swelled now to 21,000. It is now a standing army. It has now been trained by General Baron von Steuben. It is now being supplied by, by Nathaniel Green. And it, it's a, an army, that a very large army. And by the time Washington's army in May, it's, it's one of the largest cities in America. This is how large the, uh, the winter encampment got at Valley Forge. Um, another humorous side is one time, not recently, I was at Valley Forge and at the arch out on the, on the car, North, North Gulf Road, I heard someone say, can you imagine what the Continental Army thought when they marched into this place and they saw that arch? <laughs> well, that arch was not put up until 1910 and it was dedicated in 19. 1917. But please just don't think that Valley Forge was a winter encampment and nothing happened there. In my mind, it's very hallowed ground. And the world-known American historian Joseph Ellis said that Valley Forge is the greatest story yet untold. And for so many different reasons, so many stories that comes out of Valley Forge and Washington's army comes out of there, a totally different army that when it, when it went in there six months before. So that, then finally, um, we have the Battle of Monmouth County Courthouse, which is in northern New Jersey. And, you know, Washington takes his army out of Valley Forge. Je the British now under General Clinton has vacated Philadelphia. They are going back to New York to keep the whole New York because of the port. Washington goes across Pennsylvania. He cuts into New Jersey and he takes on the, the, the British rear guard at Monmouth County Courthouse. And this was, a, a, again, a very large battle. And this is June 28th of 1778. And a lot of people say it was a draw. Some people say the British won. Other people say uh, the Continental Army won. However, the difference opinion is, uh, after that battle is over, after that day, that in the middle of the night, General Clinton withdraws his troops and they can they begin to, to move up towards New York. So when Washington wants to continue the battle at Monmouth County the next day, the British have left. So that's why some people say, well, it was a victory for the Continental Army. But think that Washington's army goes into Valley Forge. It's a sick army. It's not supplied anymore. There are 11,000 soldiers, 2,000 died. And six months later, that army comes out of Valley Forge and takes on the British at Monmouth County, fights them at least to a draw. And the British withdraw the in the middle of the night and they go up into New York City, the whole New York City, because the French are on their way. And that is the last major battle in the North for the rest of the revolution. So that is just a broad overview of some of the things that we're going to look at. 
in weeks coming up. And we're going to look at uh, some of these different sites and the tremendous importance of them. So, again, it's spring. It's early. Please get out and visit some of these sites out around the Philadelphia area, as well as the sites in Philadelphia. Our colonial history and our Revolutionary War history is very rich. So please look at these things, understand them, appreciate them for what they are, and every day look at them and understand what these people did to help us or to help the cause of liberty and freedom in our country. So this is WFYL 1180 AM, Working for Your Liberty.